Hey there, and welcome to a brand new episode of Delivering Marketing Joy. I am your host, Kirby Hosman, and joining me today is quite literally a rock star. She is the national co- coordinator, national account coordinator. I can say words from Peerless Umbrella, Charity Gibson. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. It's always so much fun to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So let's jump right into this rock star status that you have just currently. And I mean, as always, of course, but you know, I want to start with congratulations because you were recently named number one on Dale Denham's online 18. So congrats. Thank you very much. I was a little sad that I wasn't number two and Nick was number one again. (laughs) I appreciate being number one, but we just had so much fun with that the whole year that his Monday thing and my Tuesday thing and so, well, for those, <laughs> yeah, for those who don't know, uh, the online 18, Dale Denham puts together a list of the uh, top 18 online influencers in the promotional products industry. Charity's been on that list for many years, but you were number one this year. So I'm curious about like, as just being a part of that tribe, what, what does sort of being number one, what does that mean to you? Okay, so a lot of people would think that it's like a super great thing. And it is, I am super stoked to be number one. But all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, I did it. All my hard work is paying off. And then it like sets in like the, okay, well, you're everywhere. One, now you have to keep being everywhere. Yes. Two, how do you, right? like, how do you top the fact that you were everywhere last year and then keep it up again? Cause it's yeah. like the only where to, only place to go is down unless you stay up. And like, yeah. how long can I ride the number one train? Yeah. Um, and then the third thing is, I know that sometimes I get sick of hearing the sound of my own voice or seeing my name in all these articles. And I'm like, I hope that the world is not as sick of me as I feel like they are. So if you are sick of me, I'm sorry. Um, and if you're not sick of me, then thank you. And even if you are, and you still put up with me, even bigger thanks, because I don't know what I'm doing. I just, I'm going to keep doing it because it seems to be working, but please know that I hate hearing my name sometimes. It's like Charity Gibson again got tagged. I'm like, oh my God, they're going to hate me. (laughs) Like, I feel so sad. (laughs) You know, I think that is a totally natural reaction. And I think Bill Petrie and I have this conversation all the time. Actually, you and I might have at some point, but I I think that's, that is a, a conversation that goes on in our head way much more than it does in reality. I always say that the, you know, you'd worry less about what people thought of you if you realized how little they did, you know, they're going on with their stuff, right. Until they, you know, they kind of come across you. And uh, you know, the other piece I always say is like, when I go to like, you know, a talk show that's hosted by a certain person and, and they're not there, I'm annoyed. That's why True. I went, right? Like, so I would say keep up the good work and, and ignore that voice in your head. So, uh, Thank uh, you. Yeah, that inner critic, sometimes it just oh, gets so, so strong. Tough. Luckily, so most tough. of the time it's like, yay, cheerleader and helpful and everything. And I can usually keep a pretty good lead on it. But sometimes, man, it's just like, oh. <laughs> so I appreciate those comments for sure. <laughs> well, I want to move on because you've recently, like when I say you've jumped on the clubhouse train, I actually think you may be the conductor right now, uh, at least in our industry. And so, you know, everybody seems to be asking if it's worth it or if you can get a return. I think I know what you're going to say, but what do you say to that idea that will is clubhouse worth it to be on? So, of course, you know that I'm going to say yes, but I'm not going to say yes forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a couple things. There's So, brief history. So, for people that don't know, Clubhouse is an audio-only platform, right? So, the thing I love about it, I think most people love about it, you don't have to get your hair and your makeup done. You literally plug in your phone, go in a room, and you can be there for hours. Um, 
And it's, and obviously the quality of the rooms are dependent on the quality of the people that you follow. Mm. So just housekeeping technicalities, when you follow somebody, it fills your hallway when they start a room. So everybody that you follow, their little active rooms, you're like, oh, Kirby's in this room, Charity's in that room, I can go hang out with this person in that room or this person speaking. Um, My favorite thing about it is that I'm following a lot of entrepreneurs, marketers, master speakers, and I wanna be on a stage one day with these people and my idols are living in these rooms, giving away all of these secrets and knowledge and wisdom that they charge like $10,000 an hour for. Mm -hmm. And if you raise your hand and get put on stage, you can ask a question of that person right there. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, so it's the Grant Cardone's of the world and the Jess Ekstrom's and the Brian Fanzo's. Uh, There's a really cool mod. His name is Chris Delaney and he has a DJ that comes up. So when they reset the rooms, which means they just kind of like, get everybody back to center and then start talking again. He has a DJ that plays songs and everybody taps their mics and we're all dancing. So that to me is um, the magic of clubhouse right now, but people get upset, right? They're saying, I wish there has, there was an Android component. Why Mm -hmm. do you have to have an invite? And um, the reason is nine person dev team. So you're a nine person startup. So they're bootstrap. Well, they were bootstrapping. Now they have like a billion dollar valuation or something ridiculous, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the other part is they're in or Apple users. And so they are using the technology that's native to them. Right. Uh, the third thing is they are developing in a scalable way. So while we all want access, it's not like they're being super exclusive. It's like, hey, our servers can't handle this much noise. Right. So we're not going to disappoint people. We're going to keep it small and manageable and kind of inch out as it makes sense. And it's frustrating to people, but gosh, if more companies did that, we would be so much less frustrated with some of our experiences. Like we feel like we're insignificant because somebody says we're opening a new restaurant and a million people are in line and then the food starts to suck and the service sucks because they can't handle it. So I think the way that they're opening it up is really smart. And then the second part is that I'm not like 0.9 now, but um, (laughs) the idea that it's only for Apple users. And I think it's so funny to me how people are letting this little teeny tiny hill be a mountain for them. I'm not an, and I'm an Android, I'm an Android girl. It's like, I don't have an iPhone. Guess what? For the hundred dollars it would take to get an iPhone that's used, whatever that, as long as it can connect to the internet or an old iPad, whatever it is for that small investment, putting it on Wi-Fi to be here while these people are dropping, not even knowledge bombs. It's like knowledge atomic bombs. I have two (laughs) full notebooks scribbled. I can't even keep up sometimes taking notes. I'm emailing myself every time I'm on Clubhouse. I have over 300 emails to myself Mm -hmm. in three weeks of all of these things. So that to me is like, there's gold there now, but give it 45 days, Android will be available it's open to the entire world. And all of a sudden these beautiful, small, intimate rooms of like your favorite artist giving you a private concert in your living room is like everybody fighting for space and there's so much noise, it's not even worth it. So Clubhouse I think has, at least for me, I see it as having a lifespan, especially because marketers ruin everything and they're gonna get on and be like, buy this, spam this, pay for this, then it's over. (laughs) Well, I I think, no, I think your, your insight is really good. And I think the interesting thing 
the way you're answering the question is interesting to me is that when people say, is there a return on investment? I think they are looking to sell. And I think you're saying, if I'm, if I'm, I'm going to put words in your mouth and you tell me if I'm right, you're saying, yes, there's a return on the investment because of what I can learn. Is that yes, fair? Absolutely. And plus that, I mean, talk about return on investment. If I hadn't borrowed my daughter's iPhone, the only reason I'm actually on Clubhouse, I didn't have to pay any money. I have to keep up her terrarium app and not kill her plants. <laughs> so that was that was my payment for being able to use her second phone that she earned. So, um, but yeah, it, it was a hundred dollars. If it was a thousand, it's like a TED Talk yeah. all day, every day. So yeah, if you're going there for that and that's the thing, cool. And then yeah, for distributors or you know people in the industry the people on this plat event marketers, human mm. resources people. We were in a room the other day with the director of global marketing for Netflix, talking one-on-one -on -one with her. <laughs> and she's asking us for uh, help and assistance on building her virtual events and what type of products that she mm. could use that would have some sort of a return because there's a lot of liability with unused products, shipping, all this, whatever. She's coming to us and saying, how do I do it? And so yeah. it's it relies on people in our industry having the foresight and the um, the skills and the desire to go in and lead with service yeah. and um, sharing wisdom and educating, going in as an educator. And the happy byproduct of that, I think has always been, at least in my way, is that people get to know you, you build your brand, they know, like, and trust you. And then when they need you, they're like, Charity, that she was that girl that did that thing with the umbrellas or whatever. <laughs> and then it's like, Charity, do you know a girl? Yeah. Like, is this you? And it's like, yeah, it's me. Or no, I can't. But guess what? I know a guy named Kirby and Kirby can. <laughs> And so there's like this reciprocity that happens, you know, from being willing to lead with service instead of the sale. I love it. I love it. So final question for you, just sort of speaking of jumping on to new things, when it comes to new apps and platforms, why do you think it makes sense to be early as you obviously are in Clubhouse? Um, access. When you're actually on Clubhouse, this is exactly what they say. When, you when you're an early adopter and um, you jump onto some of these platforms, sometimes it's frustrating um, because things are clunky and they haven't worked out yet. But the idea that you get to provide that feedback, so you become part of their story in a sense and part of the process of what makes it such a great thing. Like you get to kind of have that sense of ownership in it. But the biggest thing is access. To be able to get on a stage and ask questions to Cameron Harold, like, Cameron Harold, like he's, he's like, we're on the phone, whatever. And actually yeah. a lot of these people, these massive entrepreneurs, we, I get their, I have their phone numbers. We have zoom calls. I've booked speaking gigs. I'm talking to people that are bazillionaires you know, like, <laughs> and they're coming to me asking me for my advice. I really want to connect with you after this. Can we call? Um, actually it was just on Lou Diamond's um, Thrive podcast. I had yeah. the opportunity to come on his podcast with him. So access and I think um, just really authentic, genuine conversation is I think that's the best part of jumping on this technology, just checking it out, seeing if it's worth it. You can jump off the train anytime you want. So I don't think right. there's any harm or foul, as long as the technology has decent privacy concerns and no sure. malware. Yeah. So be careful there. But otherwise, yeah. And I, I think that what you you hear Gary Vee talk about this all the time too. And I, I think that a lot of times that you'll jump onto a platform and maybe it doesn't last, but some of the skills that 
that you gain while using that are transferable to the next thing too. And so, you know, usually there's something to be learned one way or another. So absolutely. And Clubhouse, the cool thing too, is that they don't have like a direct message opportunity right now. Mm -hmm. So when you're on a stage speaking, like your Twitter and your Instagram become the mode of communication. Mm -hmm. So my, as a, again, a happy byproduct, my Instagram following has grown on my public Instagram by like 350, 400 followers from the three or four times I've been on a stage as a moderator or a speaker. And now those, you know, again, even if Clubhouse died tomorrow, all of those relationships are going to continue on. So I 100% think there's continuity. That's cool. That's really cool. Well, thank you, dear. You have answered my three questions. I give everybody a chance to ask me one question. Do you have one for me? I do. So in a recent magazine article, uh, I read uh, the headline that said 2020 was the year we all lost. And I know I personally don't feel that it was a lost year. I feel like 2020 taught me so much and Mm -hmm took some of my relationships to the next level. And I was forced to not just do the same things we do differently, but actually do different things. And so my question for you, having said all of that, barring the loss and the sickness and all of the crappy stuff that happened because of it, um, what is one thing that 2020 gave to you that you never want to lose? Okay. That's a great question. Uh, What is one thing that it gave to me that I never want to lose? Okay. So uh, yeah, I think I do want to give a caveat. Like, so for me, I agree with you, right? I I'm with you in the sense that it, it completely forced me. And I think our organization to look at what we did differently. And like you said, do different things. You know, I think my daughter, you know, it was a lost year for her, right? She's a, she's a performer and a singer on cruise ships. Yeah. gone right like it's so right. so so for her then i think and, and i think that there are that but i would say there's a couple things but the one that pops into my head is i think that it gave me a renewed sense of pride in what our industry is about number one it made i saw the supply chain just absolutely you know kind of spin on a dime so that we could start doing ppe we utilize the supply chains that were in place to provide things that we as as a culture as a, a country needed whether it was hand sanitizer or masks or whatever and then i think it also showed me and and, and not me i think it showed our country uh, the power of using branded merchandise to recognize and to appreciate and i mean you started seeing it everywhere. Uh, you and I were on a call earlier today talking about that video that Snugs did uh, with the Common Skew team about the power of branded merchandise. I think it gave me a, a light, a, sort of a, a lit a fire that probably needed rekindled a little bit, yeah. just because I think we all need that occasionally. Um, and, and that's probably the biggest thing. The, the other thing was really, it just was like, okay, if we are creating content, we are creating branded merchandise, and we create those things in the service of others, good things happen. Um, you know, I was really cognizant that I didn't want to be the person on the phone, you know, hey, I've got masks, hey, I've got this, you know, I don't want to be yeah. that guy, but I wanted to be able to create content and sort of thoughts for my customers, for my prospects that said, look, if you are struggling with these things, here are some ideas some of some of that we sold and some we didn't, you know, kind of like your idea of connecting, like, hey, we don't do this, but you ought to consider doing this if you're trying to open up safely. And so sort of those two things it rekindled my uh, kind of love and passion for the industry. And I think it made me double down on the idea of giving first in content. So those are, you asked for one, I gave you two. That's okay. That's it's something that we both share. We 
Yeah. Asked, we're asked for a little and we give yeah, a lot. That's, that's right. <laughs> well, cool. We're givers. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and talkers, right? Like, <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so thank you so much. I really appreciate you always You always give so much when you're on, on the show. So thank you so much for doing it. We'll have to do it again, okay? Thank you so much for having me. And uh, just for the way that you serve the industry, I think you help to keep a lot of us connected. I know, obviously, you mentioned the Snugs video. And one of the things that I remember very distinctly, Bobby Lee, whose quote was that it took away our ability to connect with people. And so sometimes that tangible product is the only quote unquote human human connection. But I think exactly this too, in addition to the tangible products, you know, just hearing genuine people talk about things that are relevant to us and just being honest and transparent. So thanks for all you do in the industry and, and all you do to keep us connected and just share different people's stories and all that cool stuff. So I appreciate being here. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, cool. Thanks again, Charity. That will wrap up this edition of Delivering Marketing Joy. We'll see you next time. 